What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode one of Post Game Potables. This is brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Make sure to check them out for any of your South Jersey housing needs. If you mention Process Potables, you will receive exclusive savings. We are giving it a shot. I had been hesitant for a long time to do an Eagles podcast, but I think that this is a pretty good, you know, a, a little bit more of a unique style where instead of really preparing and, and planning all week and having conversations about what we want to talk about and, and bigger picture things. Since we all watch the games together, me and, and a few of my good friends, most of whom you've already heard on the network at different times via different episodes, we all watch the games together already anyway that we would just hop on a mic. Uh, you know, you could call it a hot mic, so to speak. And immediately following the game, just talk about our initial reaction. So we don't have the benefit of post-game press conferences, of any replays, of any reviews. Uh, anything's found out after the fact. We are going right at it with our initial feelings, whether they be good or bad. And today, I'm pretty sure I can speak for everybody when I say we're probably feeling pretty bad, but we'll get to that. So uh, episode one of Post-Game Potables coming to you now. This episode is titled... I was thinking about cutting off my dick. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So we're we're going we're hitting it hard right at uh right from the start here. I am joined by my process potables co-host Steve Jones and by our engineer and Eagles friend and just overall good guy and the host of Power Bombs and Potables, the network's professional wrestling podcast. Corey Oates on the uh, engineering board, but he's got a mic as well. He's going to be talking shop with us as well. So it's talking shop with the boys. Talking shop. So, you know, if you before I get into my whole spiel on what happened here on the rundown for anybody who uh, somehow missed this game, I don't know, maybe you were listening to Joe Biden's 2 p.m. Uh, Philadelphia speech. I like, what the fuck, man? I already didn't want to vote for Joe Biden. And then he has the nerve to come to Philadelphia and try to talk at 2 p.m. an hour into the Eagles game, brother. Like, you're from. You're supposed to be from Delaware, man. You're supposed to be a Philly fan. Yeah, like, like you should, you, whoever brought that idea, were like, no, 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 no. Maybe at five, an hour after the Eagles game. And and you know, not not to go overly political here, but when you think about Pennsylvania and voting, like when you get outside of Philly, like you definitely get a little split. You could probably argue, you know, even probably as majority conservative and red. Philadelphia is really where Pennsylvania ends up being an overall pretty general blue. Yeah. Uh, liberal kind of state so if you if you piss off philadelphia you could you could be in real trouble and i think pennsylvania is already kind of a swing state so uh sleepy joe not doing himself any favors here but yeah, let's, let's, let's stop there because you know after all these years now of complaining about basketball and soon football i don't know if we want to throw politics into the mix here listen man i mean <laughs> you know sports are pissing me off so much that maybe i just yeah. want to find something else to piss me off and Politics sure do that as well, but before we do the rundown, we'll start with you, Steve. You know, in in a few words, just give us your overall feel on this game and, and where we are as we sit at zero and two. Uh, it really sucks. Uh, it seemed like almost the opposite of last week, where it's a game of halves, and the first or the second half rather, it seemed like you know offense was starting to pick up a little bit. You finally remembered, oh hey, Deshaun Jackson's still on the team. He made some plays, but dude, like, if there's one common denominator, it's just our linebacker core especially sucks. Like, our defense just did nothing, and, uh, you know, Darius Slay, as great of an addition he's been, I mean, you know, one quarterback can't pick up the slack for the rest of the defense, and it's just, it's just really frustrating. It just seemed like once we had, you know, on either side of the ball some sort of momentum, once, you know, gets an interception or we give up, you know, a 30-yard pass from, uh, you know, Cooper Cup. So it's just, it's really frustrating, man. There's, there's really nothing really that good to talk about or hit highlights, man. To be clear, before we get to core, you're, you're not actually, like, making any kind of statement about Darius Slay, though, right? You're just... Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I swear you said Corey. I said before we get to Corey. <laughs> get to Corey my bad. No, no, yeah, he's... Like, you you kind of threw Slay in there in a mix of, like, negative speak, but I don't think that Slay has been at oh, all no, 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 no. any um, kind of problem. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it, but I know on that first touchdown we gave up, like, uh, Nate Jerry was just, like, standing there, and I know most linebackers, their job isn't to be, like, a shutdown, you know, man-to-man coverage like a corner, like Slay would be, but he just, like, had no clue what he was doing and where he was going, and that could be said for most of the people on defense. So. Corey, your thoughts? 
I mean, after last week's game, I was really kind of assuming that we were going to get our asses handed to us. We went down two touchdowns really early, and then the tide started to change a little bit, and then I was like, okay, maybe it just took till now for this team to wake up, and then the game continued to go, and then it's like, nope, nope, we're just right back where we were last week. We have one solid quarter per game. That's what we're averaging now, and then the rest of it is just uh, mayhem. Yeah, I mean, they roped us back in. We were all pretty down quick on this one, and then we managed to, you know, they, they roped us back in. We were willing to believe. We we all kind of, like, sat up in our seats and were paying attention again. You know, I, I came over in a really good mood. I had a very nice day yesterday. The weather was beautiful. You know, I hung out with my hot Asian wife, went to a couple breweries, hung out with Kevin Smith, and, you know, I was ready to wake up today, drink some beers with the boys, and came over you know, ready to drink for pleasure and immediately started drinking for pain. So, uh, you know, once they give us hope and, and we come back in, then it makes it all the worse. Whereas like, at least if they would have just got their ass kicked the whole way, then I would have, you know, been able to bail out at halftime and, you know, maybe we break into your, uh, 1993 Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels, oh, Jack Daniels or anything. But, and now we're going to sit here and watch the Cowboys possibly come back as it's 39, 37 Falcons with a minute left so it, it, the only thing we have to root for right now is the Falcons to hold on here but if we know anything about the history of the Atlanta Falcons they're not very good at holding on to games so uh Eagles do lose 37-19 they fall to 0-2 this is the first time they are 0-2 under Doug Peterson for the Eagles the last time they went 0-2 anybody they said it oh. Chip Kelly 2015 yeah the year yeah. Chip Kelly was fired they started 0-2 and there have already been some whispers about Doug. I mean, Doug really feels like he's never been safe. The hire at the time was heavily questioned. Mm-hmm. And then the the early, you know, not getting the initial results out of Wentz, even though obviously, you know, he was a rookie. Some people were still taking that as, you know, this isn't the guy. Then obviously the Super Bowl, and you figure that's going to buy him a lot of time. And now you're not so sure. Uh, there was a report this week. That I saw, I think it was from Bleeding Green Nation, and it was, uh, has Doug Peterson reached his limit? And that was from Pro Football Network that they took it from, and they said, quote, There are some rumblings from people inside the league who I spoke with earlier this week who feel that Doug Peterson may have reached his limit. Doug Peterson may be stressed out a little bit. Basically, it's not going to get any better for Doug Peterson. And so, I mean, when you come looking at any coach... After they win a Super Bowl, yeah, for most of them, it's not going to get better because other than the Patriots, you know, what team has won a Super Bowl and continue to have crazy good success? This is an up and down league. We see teams win the Super Bowl one year and then for the next five years, not make the playoffs like this isn't the NBA where you can sustain years and years of that kind of success. I mean, other than the Patriots, the, the last team to really have that consistent kind of success in in my memory is like the early 2000s Eagles making yeah. like three straight NFC championship games and a Super Bowl. I mean, there have been teams like Seattle who like make the playoffs every year, but like, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the same thing. Like I'm talking contending, legitimate contending team for multiple years. Like that's really the other one that comes to mind for me is, is that early 2000s Eagles team. So I don't think for any coach, you know, after you win the Super Bowl, do you expect it to get better? I mean, that's the peak. So I don't know what that's necessarily saying, but I do kind of get the feeling that maybe Doug doesn't have the kind of leash that you would think a quarterback winning coach would get. What What are your kind of initial vibes when you hear, you know, whispers and rumors of, of potentially Doug Peterson's demise already? It's not surprising because we definitely live in a town of, you know, what have you done for me lately? Absolutely. And... I think a better word would say, you know, his ceiling, obviously, because winning a Super Bowl is, you know, as high as it, you know, as good as it gets, as you said. But, you know, after you win a Super Bowl to to continue to win, you know, year after year like that's almost impossible. So you want to at least see a team that not only contends, but goes, you know, to the uh, at least a conference championship game every year. Just, you know, always be that one or two seed in the conference and it's just we haven't really seen that since we won the Super Bowl and we definitely had that Super Bowl hangover the following year which we all kind of anticipated and wrote off that year like you know that's fine we got our Super Bowl but now it's like all right dude it's been two years it's like you know if if you don't I I don't think he gets fired this year at the end of this year but I think 
this offseason, he probably starts to field a hot seat, and if they start off 0-2 next year, maybe that's the earliest we see Doug Peterson out of here. But again, that's a lot of what-ifs and a lot can happen between now and then. All right, so two things. One, I want to acknowledge Steve's professionalism for getting entirely through that thought while we watched the Cowboys hit a field goal to come back and beat Atlanta 40-39. to Unfucking believable except I absolutely called it because you can't trust Atlanta. Nope. But... To your point, so you say that you don't think Doug Peterson's fired after this year, so there's no record he can have that he gets fired, or do you have, like, if is there a certain record that you would imagine he's gone? Like, you, you think if they somehow well, go... It, it, are you saying you don't think he gets fired because you don't think they're going to go, like, 3-13? and 13? Or... Right. And, and, I mean, like, listen, our division isn't that great, so being no. 0-2, I mean, this wasn't... A must-win game, but we there's still hopes. I mean, okay, Dallas is well, now one and one. Uh, New York. It's not a must-win when you look at the division. I understand, even though Washington hasn't played yet, so they're one and zero, and you know they're seven-point dogs to the Cardinals. So I don't think they're going to win that game. Yeah, but no you know they go they go two and zero. You do have to talk about. But the problem is that Owen two NFL teams have made the playoffs only twelve percent of the time in the history in this current playoff format. Mm. So it, it's it's not good, Corey. What, what do you have as far as, as Doug? You see, the one thing that I always say is with Philly sports, it seems like you, there's always the peak. Like I look my, my time. So look, uh, Andy Reid. We had a shit team when he came in in what ninety nine, and yeah, right after Ray Rhodes. Yeah, we built up to that Super Bowl. We lost the Super Bowl, and then we hung in there for a couple years, and then it was just a, a decline. There was nothing else you could do. Eventually, he got fired, but it seemed like it should have happened two seasons before it. Uh, Charlie Manuel, Phillies, won the World. We we almost made the playoffs, made the World Series, won the World Series, made it back to the World Series, and then it was just a steady decline. Eventually. He got fired. It seemed like that happened later than it should have, along with some of the players that they held on to at that point. Uh, Doug Peterson, I feel, I mean, the, we're, we're only coming off of the the, the Super Bowl was uh, two years ago at this point. I, I can't, I, COVID with being home, I, I lost complete track of what a week yeah. is anymore. So that Super Bowl was, what, two years ago? And then last year, we had an... I guess you could call it a, a fun run in the playoffs. We we barely made it in uh, with the practice squad that we, we were left with. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you have the Super Bowl, and then you have them losing that tough game in New Orleans in the next playoffs where Jeffrey makes has the drop, and it's, like, heartbreaking. And then you have them still putting it together with a fucking practice squad. Right. So what I'm, what I'm trying to just get to here is that I feel, even now, with the, the history of Philly sports teams and holding on to people, I don't see Doug... Getting fired this season, or na- unless somehow we we lose and we have like some shit like five and what thirteen five and eleven we have that type of shit season uh, maybe and that, and that was my question to Steve it was like I don't think there's any way you can say he won't be fired this season because I agree they go four and twelve they're like three and thirteen he's he's absolutely fired I think probably like six and ten is the lowest he can get and maybe keep his job. That's fair, yeah. And again, I think I think your point was you don't expect them to do that, and that's probably fair. But for what we've seen to this point, it's pretty disheartening. Uh, Corey, you made a great point with some of these other coaches because I I already had Charlie Manuel pulled up because he's the only guy for our lifetime that we can think of that won. And how long was he here? So they win the World Series in 08. He was fired August of thirteen, so he was still here for several seasons more and almost made it to the- basically. You know, you'd figure in a. Uh, in like August of a normal season, you know what we're obviously doing with the COVID thing right now. In a regular season, August 16, 2013, that's basically like they gave him all the way until actually eliminated from playoff contention. So right, and you're right. So they went, they won the World Series, then they lost the World Series, then I think it was they lost the NLCS, then mm-hmm. the NLDS, and then the true I, steady decline. Yeah, it was literally like year after year. <laughs> and then so. everyone's like, "I'm ready for Ryan Sandberg. Let's go!" And then it's like, but, but the Oof. difference there too was like because Corey also made a great point. Like they also still had like that elite roster, and every year the roster got a little worse. So it coincided with okay, like we are going to need to rebuild the roster. So we're also going to bring in a new manager because Charlie's very old school. He's going to work really 
well with veteran players. He's going to need to work with an established team. You didn't want Charlie Manuel to be the manager of an entire new team built off of prospects and be there for you to tank two or three years to rebuild until you're able to develop a Reese Hoskins and a Scott Kingery and then sign a Bryce Harper to a massive deal. So I think that's all a really good point. I think to this point, Doug hasn't had a single season where you could really be upset with what he's done. You know, Steve, we always like this is kind of the same concept to me in a very different way. We always make the joke about everybody gets one TV. Yeah. Like you've got to give him one bad season, right? Because his first season, really, I don't think you can blame him for it. He's a brand new head coach. You knew it was a weird hire. You know, Carson gets hurt. Uh, he's a rookie QB anyway. Then the next season is the Super Bowl. And then you have back-to-back playoff appearances like... You can't fire the guy after the first real bad season he no. has. And we don't even know if it is one yet. But just hypothetically, you can't move on from him after his first bad season. And, and I know this is a really hard exercise to do, but imagine five years ago, you tell us, hey man, the Eagles are going to win a Super Bowl, but in two to three years, Doug's going to go like 3-13. and 13. Do you take that? I'm like, well yeah, you want us a fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other conversation right. that I know but, all, all three of us completely agree on because... Literally, I was wearing my Eagles hoodie, I, uh, I think Friday morning, and I went to get gas, and the dude's like, how I'm assuming he wasn't an Eagles fan, because first he, or no, it was Thursday morning, because he asked me what I thought uh, about betting Bengals-Browns, which is very weird that he asked me that, but I was happy to <laughs> indulge. It's like he And I was you. right that the that the Bengals would cover, so I hope he took my advice. But anyway, then he's like, you know, how, how are you guys going to let Washington win? And I'm like, listen, man, like, I don't think this team is very good, and... I don't really care because they won a Super Bowl. So, like, no one can hurt me for a long time. Like, I'm still there. Like, am I happy with how they're playing? No. But am I, like, going to, like, you know, piss and shit all over the place if they don't, if they have a losing season this year? No, I'm really not. I swear to God, I was, I was ready for this. I was willing to sell my soul and I wasn't kidding. Like, I'm still, I'm good. And a buddy of mine was texting me and saying, like, oh, people are jumping ship. Like, it's still the injury saying, I'm like, dude, like. Last year, I completely was willing to ride the injury excuse. If you give me this roster healthy, do you think they're any good? I don't. They don't have a secondary. They don't have a linebacking core. They have an above average but declining defensive line. Their offensive line is shit because of the Brooks injury. So, yes, if Brooks is here, I feel a lot better about the offensive line. But you still have no left guard. And Jason Peters at left tackle. You have no receivers. I'm I love Jalen Ragor, but he's a rookie and he's gonna need to adjust to the league. I like Greg Ward, but he was a practice squad guy. As much as we were like, hey, like let him play, yeah. he's not the fucking answer. He's not a real weapon, but he can play. And then you have two tight ends, you can't really figure out how to use enough, and you have one running back who's only in his second year and was hurt last week. But he played today. So like I don't think this team fully healthy is all that good. I don't think this you can use the injury excuse here. This team lacks talent. They are like six or seven pieces away from a legitimate contending team. And that's not terrible, right. but that just means it's not this year. I think the only difference is the offensive line, as bad as uh, Carson Wentz has been, he's... he's had, today was bad, I man. mean, today was bad. His, his accuracy, his decision-making, these first two games has been really bad. But I still have the feeling that if he had, um, you know, uh, a healthier offensive line, especially uh, Brandon, Brandon, uh, Brooks. yeah, Brandon Brooks out there, I, I still think he may have had just enough, de- definitely enough to win. I Washington. mean, today wasn't the pass today, protection. No, I don't think he got but, sacked today. But yeah, so I think, you know, to your point, would we be better? That offensive line would might help us win one or two more games, but that's not getting us any further in the playoffs. So before we, we dig any deeper, I'm going to kind of go through my rundown of, of what stood out to me in this game. I do want to talk about what we're drinking here. Uh, we drank a lot of beers for this game. I'm trying to think. I had a, I bought a Mexican lager from Jug Handle Brewing, which I visited yesterday. That was really nice. Usually a lot of the Mexican lagers we get are, you know, kind of like a medium kind of profile, um, you know, hints of like lime and things like that. This one was very crisp. It was very light. Yes. Did either of you try that one? I did. Yes. I really enjoyed it. It was like the lightest Mexican lager I had, which was nice. It would have been great for the summer. Like now that it's colder, I would want a little more, you know, boldness and like flavor profile to my beer. But if I would have had that in the pool this summer, like I would have been crushing them. So yeah. still very impressed with that. That was very nice. I had a couple beers from them yesterday and I really enjoyed it. But right now for the pod, I'm drinking this 
Bolero Snort Neo Samurai. A uh, Lupo Max with Citra Hops, Mosaic Hops, and Sabro Hops. It's a double IPA. I have no idea what Lupo Max means. Maybe no. that's a hop too. I don't know. Um, it's a hop I, with Lupus. I've never heard of it. But Jesus. this is really good. This is kind of like, you know, just your, uh, your, your typical double IPA coming in at 8%. So uh, it hits pretty hard, but very smooth, very hoppy. Um, you know, decent bitterness. I don't know if they have the IBUs on here, but, uh, you know, yesterday I had a, uh, a double IPA or I'm sorry, it was a New England IPA from Forgotten Boardwalk and a Belgian triple from Forgotten Boardwalk. And, mm. and they were both like, they both didn't really have a lot of like fruitiness or anything. They were just more like your standard profiles of those beers. And it was kind of nice to get back to basics like that. Sometimes like we forget with all the gimmick style beers and fruits and, yeah. and shit and lactose and stuff that like you know there are you know very good ones that are just the the mainstay of the type of beer i know you shared that belgium with me last night and that yeah. was just uh like a no bullshit belgian triple really good i think it was called the strongest woman on earth yeah of- and i think i even told you like when i really started getting uh craft beers like uh the the belgian triples that that's among my favorites yeah, that, that was beer. my big thing too and, like, early we drank on. it all the time and then as I was sharing, I was like, damn, I'm like, this is really good. And then it just occurred to me, I'm like, wow, it's it's been a few, like, probably one or two years at least until I had some Belgian... Uh, yeah, we used to drink our Delirium Tremens, oh, yeah. our La Fin du Mans. Because uh, I just feel like so the, many uh, other what, ones, they just kind of taste the same. What's in the Chamonix Creek one with Tenacious D on it? The uh, Tribute Trapel. Yes. Uh, so, you know, a lot of really good, more... Uh, generic belgian triples and not in a bad way but yeah so this is this is more of your typical double ipa it's still pretty creamy uh which i like but it's got you know it's really just all the hops flavor it's not like oh it's brewed with tangerine and melon and orange like no like it's just hops with a creamy mouthfeel and eight percent it's nice what are you drinking there steve so i got westville breweries oh sofa (laughs) oh sofa king sour pink lemonade no you're not cursing there right no i am not oh sofa like the furniture king sour wait can we not can we not curse on these now no you can fucking curse oh great fuck (laughs) i feel after that game 52 years now um but yeah, no, this is this is really good. This is definitely really a summer beer. I did tell Corey to, to surprise me with something and uh it was it's surprising in a way that I had, you know, very I, dark, more bitter beers before this. I'm so, cleaning the, the yeah. fridge. Yeah, you gotta make room. Clean out the summer slush. Pumpkin season, yeah. baby. And, yeah, pumpkin. Y'all, we, did, did did you try the Dunkin' Pumpkin? Not yet. It's no. still sitting the fuck up there. You oh god damn it. Well I, I opened it and drank it. It's fantastic. So I'm definitely gonna have to go snag mm. that. So anybody who was wondering? I think this is the third Dunkin' beer that that's been out now, and they've all been very good. Oh. So yeah, I think they so did. It sounds like a, a, a ride like a, home beer. There's like a regular there's Dunkin'. A, there's a porter and there's a pale ale. Right. And now there's a pumpkin. Yes. All good. Corey, what you got there? Well, again, cleaning out the closet. I got the uh, <laughs> le- the Winter Reserve Coffee Stout Wawa from Two SP Brewing. You and me went and got these last yeah. year. Should have just um, saved it for this one, and I'll be here soon. <laughs> well, well, he's the only one drinking a beer that lines up with the temperature change. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I was I was in the in the fridge and I was just like, eh, I, I wanted something that was just different. Not to mention, I have another beer on reserve that I wanted us to drink still. So we'll probably crack that open before we're done here. Oh yeah, so got this uh, for now. So when I look at this game, I mean the the initial thoughts going in that gave me hope, and I'm sure all of us was, you get Miles Sanders back, you get Lane Johnson back, and you've got to feel good about that. They clearly had a better run pass balance, at least you know early on. They were trying to get Miles Sanders involved. You know, the fumble happens because he's not used to contact because they don't have yeah. preseason and he's been hurt. So, like, that's unfortunate. But you do need to get him going. Uh, you know, I think I can kind of live with that one. And Lane Johnson's back. They, they showed a couple highlights of him that stood out during the game of him being able to move his hips, move guys around. So he looked good. That's got to be promising. And compared to last week when I believe Wentz was sacked eight times. Yeah. Something along those lines against the Redskins. I don't think he got sacked today. So you've got to feel good about that, especially with how much this Fox broadcast sucked Aaron Donald's dick. Ugh. And the one guy has Aaron Donald as a top, top five, five player since 1988, leaving Which, Tom Brady yeah. off that list. Like, God, dude, we all fucking hate Tom Brady. But and come some tackle on. from the Bengals. Well, Anthony Munoz is really good. Yeah, like... Oh, favor, but, but yeah, I mean, this is ridiculous. Five. I'm pretty sure three of those guys were guys he played with too. So obviously he's yeah. just you know jerking off ex teammates. But like Jesus Christ, dude! Like this guy's only been—I think he's only been in the league for what four or five years. 
Yeah, I, I guess the uh, well, that's... like Aaron Donald is great. That's not my point here, but you, you can't call him a, a a top five player of the list. Uh, what what is it? Thirty two years? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can't do that yet. You just no. can't. That's ridiculous. That's almost as bad as before the game. Did you see Howard Eskin's tweet? Oh God, no. Uh, WB Halen Hurts active today for Eagles warming up before the game, along with Carson Wentz. All right, well, what's wrong with that other than he's Halen, WB? Halen Hurts, H. Oh, I didn't catch that. And instead of QB, he said WB. Oh, uh, you know, I saw uh, <laughs> I saw somebody say that they were that people were going to jump and try to figure out how to make Jalen Hurts Van Halen t-shirts, <laughs> and I was wondering where that came from. I totally missed the uh, Halen see, part. I missed that part, but yeah, Okay, makes <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, it's fucking uh, yeah. Howard Eskin, you know, who called him, what was it, uh, was it the... Fuck! What do you call? What do you call Andrew McCutcheon? Oh God! Uh, no, he wasn't the one I called him. Oh, Larry. Yeah. Yeah, Larry McCutcheon. Or he called him Lawrence. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Now yeah, that's yeah, his. Yeah. Uh, that's his uh, gimmick. That's his gimmick persona, with the with the open with the Rob yeah. Huber <laughs> buttoned up jersey and the uh, sunglasses and the chain. Yeah. You know that that's the only good thing that's ever came from. Uh, uh, Howard Eskin. Howard has Eskin. Follies with uh, spelling. Well, well, like. is is uh, the alter ego of Andrew McCutcheon because I do appreciate <laughs> that. But so you know, uh, Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson are back. The pass protection does seem a little bit better. They also adjusted the game plan to compensate for you know if the O line was going to struggle against Aaron Donald, and it didn't work right away. As they get ta- they get down twenty one to three. Uh, at the 12 minute mark of the second quarters when the Rams go up 21 to three but after that they start the next drive and you see several plays where um, Jalen hurts is on the field with Carson Wentz and they're running the ball a little bit but they're mostly just doing underneath passing and they're using motion and misdirection to get guys open and I don't believe any single play went to Jalen hurts no but when you bring him they talked about it on the broadcast when you bring him in the defense, like it throws a uh, you know a red flag up for the defense and like he's in like there's probably a reason he's in it draws attention to him and it's getting other guys open they start to come back and in the midst of coming back this was one of the the first things that really got people going on Twitter because some people understood it and some people didn't I want to see where you guys kind of sat on this because I don't think we talked about it much while we were watching but they score and it's twenty one to nine and they go for two. And I initially thought that this was the right call, and most people on Twitter were pretty mad about it. So, what were your thoughts when this happened? It's way too early in a game to go for two. I just, I don't see the sense in it, because now it's just, if you don't convert it, then you're just digging yourself an even deeper hole. Okay, like, Corey. It just wasn't necessary. I mean, at the time, my first thought was you go for the, the easy point. It was the second quarter at that point. I, I didn't see the, the real purpose for it. Had it been I mean, a couple minutes later, we come back and score a second touchdown. At that point, it seemed like a real momentum swing. I would have It would have maybe made more sense at that point. All right. Well, great. Let me educate you guys because here's the thing. It's 21 to 9. You get the two-point conversion. That makes it 21 to 11. So now it's a 10-point game. Right. Your next touchdown, now you can tie with a field goal. Right. If you just kick extra points on your next two touchdowns, you're down four. Thus, you still need a touchdown. So it doesn't help. And if you don't get them, you still need a touchdown. So why wouldn't you go for it? Gambling 101. You have the <laughs> chance, potentially, to get it to a three-point game. You always do that. So I agree with it. And the play call wasn't bad either. Even though I don't love the idea of running it, Sanders yeah. had a lane if he cut it inside to his Jeez. first gap. Yeah. But what was a trending thing in this entire game for him and is trying to get, you know, uh, his momentum back after missing last week was he kept trying to bounce things outside when it wasn't there and he bounced it outside and didn't get it. But I fully believe if he cuts in, you know, that that general toss gap where the corners blocking his guy to the sideline to let you run in. If he takes that lane, I think he scores. So I think it's the right decision. I don't even hate the play call because I think that it would have worked. But I think Miles Sanders' vision was just not what it was. And it wasn't the only time today he did it. So I think it reinforces it even more if you watched him go further along. Yeah, my only counter to that is I didn't see a score in two touchdowns and converting two two-point conversions. But then why does it matter? Because if you're not scoring touchdowns, you're never winning the game. So if Fair you think yeah. like that, then why would you do anything? That's why I'm not an NFL head coach. 
the biggest thing that the Eagles really struggled with, obviously, you know, based on the score sheet, is Tyler Higby, who had himself a game with three touchdowns. And Steve, you kind of hinted at this earlier, where a, a couple of times, you know, you could probably pick out Nathan Gary as being the guy who yeah. might have had responsibility for him and wasn't able to do anything. Gary, being a former safety, you would hope maybe now playing linebacker would still have some kind of coverage skill but there's also a reason he no longer plays safety because he wasn't good at that he doesn't and, even look like he plays linebacker no and he's not good at that either but i do want to challenge you this because i found it interesting because it's not something that i had even paid much attention to except that i've been screaming for you know two to three months that this team had no answer for this if you actually go onto the eagles app and pull up their roster and pull up the depth chart there are six linebackers on this team how many can you name? And you've watched two games now. So, like, you'd think you would have even heard a few names. I'm confident you haven't heard most of these names at all. So, uh, Corey, let's start with you. I've been giving Steve first dibs. Can you name any Eagles linebacker? I mean, I'm not great with defense. I mean, I is, isn't fucking Lane Johnson a fucking linebacker? He's a right tackle. He's a right tackle. See, I don't fucking know that shit. I'm a, I know my This offense. isn't, this isn't, this is literally, but literally, I don't think any fan could do this. Yeah. So this isn't to like try and make you look dumb. Right. I, this is their linebacking core. If their linebacking core was good, you'd know the starters. Yeah. If they were good, you would know the starters. Here I am. Okay. So <laughs> nothing? I mean, we just talked about Nathan Gary, so. Yeah. He's a linebacker? Yeah. News to me. Well, no, not really. But he is on the depth chart. So, Steve, give it a shot. Other than Nathan Gary, I, oh, shit. Um. I'll, I'll give you a hint. There is one that shares the name of a former Sixer center. Oh, man. Wait, we don't have a linebacker with the last name McCullough, do we? No. <laughs> yeah, I give off. Cool. So, the starters on the depth chart. At left outside linebacker, you have Duke Riley. Okay. Anything? No. Nope. His backup is Davion Taylor. Nope. Nope. Okay. Middle linebacker, TJ Edwards is your starter. Hmm. Nope. And his backup is Sean Bradley. Oh. So you know he sucks. <sighs> yeah, I think I made that joke on Twitter months ago when they <laughs> signed him too. And... Probably. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's a fair, uh, very forgettable name. And at right outside linebacker starter is Nathan Gary, and his backup is Alex Singleton. Oof. This team is a joke. Yeah, it's an absolute joke, and it's not an injury thing; it's a talent thing. So, turning point in this game. I don't know if you guys will have anything different than me. Clearly, for me, it's the Wentz interception. That he tried to force a J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, which obviously the first mistake in that is that you threw it to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. But it leads me back to my Jalen Hurts point, is that was the first drive that they really had that they stopped using Jalen Hurts. He didn't go out anymore. He wasn't used as a decoy or as an actual playmaker. Because here's the thing. And I feel like even like inexperienced fans know this, whether it's just common sense in like any kind of thing, or if you play Madden or anything like that. If you're gonna do like let's say let's take the Jalen Hurts thing out, because it, it's a much less recognized thing than something that may be more familiar to a, a more casual fan where it'll make more sense. Let's take like a uh, like a jet sweep. Like you've seen a lot of teams where they'll run that receiver behind the line of scrimmage, and then they snap the ball, and they can either give it to that wide receiver, or they fake that, and they give the dive to the halfback. That receiver is meant to shift the defense. So you're hoping that you're going to move guys out of the middle for the dive play, or you're hoping that because they still think the dive play might come, you're going to freeze them for a second so that sweep can get to the outside and break. Or another point would just be the read option. Your standard read option or an RPO, which Eagles fans should be familiar from the Super Bowl year, where the quarterback can give it to the running back, but he can also pull it out and maybe he has a throw option or maybe he only has the run option. Either way, these are things that are designed to make defenses stink, to make them react different ways. And also, like in the example of the jet sweep, you don't, you know, you don't give the jet sweep the first time. You give it to the running back. You do it again, you give it to the running back. 
the third time. You go to the jet sweep. Like, you don't start doing that if you don't plan on trying to bank in on what you're doing. Right. So for all these plays that you put Jalen Hurts in and don't give him the ball, don't you eventually have to at least go try the one play where you do? Because eventually they start thinking, okay, they're not actually giving this guy the ball. And especially when it's your backup quarterback. Like, you would think they'd almost want to start gambling. Like, do they really want to start using him as a playmaker? Because imagine we knock this guy out. They don't have another quarterback now. So while it's risky to do so, once you decide that you're going to implement that, I think you have to try the cash in at least once. Yeah. So I'm fine with the first couple drives where he's not actually getting the ball and he's the decoy. Worked very well. Number one, if it's working, you need to make them stop it. They never did. And two, if you're going to keep setting that up, then go for the cash in. They never do it. And instead on that drive, they run the ball pretty pretty decently. They, you know, uh, dink and dunk like they've been forced to do the whole game, but it's been working. And then, of course, they get first down on like the 21. And I literally said, go to the end zone while we were watching. I don't mind going to the end zone if something's there, but you don't throw it into double coverage with your shittiest wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, dude, it, it was ugly. Uh, this game kind of reminded me of. Uh, Nick Foles, his first time around with the Eagles. I liked him at the time, but my one kind of criticism with him is it just seems like he finds the open guy, but he also finds a guy that, you know, there's another defender in the area and he's going to get like fucking run over the second he catches the ball or throws it into double coverage. And I just felt like the, the, even the good throws, the wide open throws he made, like someone's going to get fucking like, you know, d- destroyed. So. And, you know, our, our Sega white side who just not one person in this town wants him on the team anymore. I mean, to throw to him in double coverage was just a really bad decision. So I, that was just kind of the um, icing on the cake there. Do you have any other thoughts on what a turning point in this game may have been? Or would you say that was the one? I, I mean, that that was really the one for me. There's Corey, your thoughts on that play? Or do you have another turning point? I mean, the, for me, the turning point was honestly when we came out in the second half. And, well, we, we, we ended the first half strong, and then we came out the second half, and it was just mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. Uh, we even got that – well, that the, the, the punt return was the very end of the Where second Cup fumbled quarter. it. Uh, right, uh, and that seemed like the momentum turn, but once we could not get our shit together. So I feel like even after that, the momentum was just a consistent downswing. We came out of the third quarter. LA had the ball and we just, we looked bad. We don't, I don't even think that, do we have any other red zone opportunities after that? I mean, there was that, wait, we threw the, the interception in the end zone. Was that the third well, that quarter? It was, was like the, tw- that was in the third quarter. That was like, um, let's see. I think that was like at the twenty one or twenty two, so it technically wasn't right. the red zone, but like basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was with that was at the eight fourteen mark of the third. He was picked off, and it was at the Rams twenty one, so just outside the red zone. So yeah, right. So so that's my thing is like after that point, that was like the last time I feel that we even got close, and we were just we were just holding on in the defense. It was like. For the most part, the defense was doing their best, but the defense could not stop them. They weren't getting crazy yardage, but it was just 10 yards here, 5 yards here, and it just adds up, obviously. And and that's where we were talking about earlier with the, with the, the, the kinks in this chain, and, and we, we just we have issues. And we it's, knew it going into this season was going to happen, but it's just it's rough to watch. Yeah, and these aren't really turning points, but how... It's what seemed like 11 to 12 to 13 times, but they ran three wide receiver reverses that just killed us that we had no answer to. Like, when I, I said, you know, like, every time I saw that, I'm like, there's no way we're coming back in this and, game. And that's the thing that speaks to what we've been saying about the linebackers in the secondary, because a play like that is pretty much a, a non a way to negate a defensive line. Because you try and run between the tackles, the defensive line can make plays, or they can do enough to make it easy for even bad linebackers to make plays. But when you force it to the outside, you're forcing the secondary 
and the linebackers that make those plays because the defensive linemen generally aren't getting out there for the most part. So, I mean, it's smart by the Rams to do so. But again, it's just exploiting what's a very known weakness for this defense, and they don't have any answer for it. So they're basically sitting there saying, hey, we know everybody knows what we're not good at, and we also aren't going to scheme to do anything to try and cover it up. We're just so, going to leave these bad players in spots with, that they won't be able to do anything with. with. With that said, I got a question for you. Of the four, what is worse? The Eagles linebackers, the Phillies bullpen, the Flyers power play, or the Sixers front office? It's the Phillies bullpen. Okay. It's not even close. <laughs> it, well, I, I just want to see if I could get you to bite on how bad Eagles linebacker were. Uh, no, I mean, I the Sixers front office is pretty close to the yeah. Phillies bullpen. And the other two are distant third and fourth. Uh, the Flyers' power play was clicking, at, even in the playing game, seemed like it was okay. So, obviously, in the playoffs, it was very disappointing. But, you know, it's also, it's not even, it's not to, not to become pucks and potables, even though they refuse to do a podcast. So, I guess we kind of have to talk Flyers. The biggest issue with that power play was their inability to try and do anything else than what they're like plan A was, and that's what was frustrating is that they just kept going back to the same thing and teams knew what it was and they refused to change it up just to get teams to not be able to play to what exactly they were doing. But no, I mean, you could make the argument for the Sixers front office because none of them have been fired yet and they need to all go. But I would say that the Phillies bullpen is pretty fucking bad. So the Eagles are now 22-19-1 against the Rams as a franchise. They actually had won the last six and seven of eight until today. The last time, uh, seven of eight is all the way back to losing the 2001 NFC Championship game against them, which is pretty crazy. Wow. They had won is that le- Kurt Warner? Yes. Jeez. That's the greatest show That's on turf, crazy. baby. Yeah. So uh, it, as far as Peterson and McVay, Peterson... Had won both matchups, the one being the Super Bowl year where Wentz got hurt in that game, where we clinched the NFC East, I believe. And then the next year, they played them again in December as well and won 30-23. So this is Sean McVay's first win over the Eagles and against Doug Peterson. And the Eagles sit at 0-2. We just watched Dallas rally to make it to 1-1. The Giants were losing to Chicago. They did lose. So they are... And they lost Saquon, so they're losing even more. Doesn't look good for that. And then the uh, Washington football team is down 17 to nothing to the Cardinals already. So I told you that I was pretty confident in that one, and here we are. Well, I mean, they were also down... Sorry, they were also 17-0 last weekend down, so... You're right, but... uh, the Arizona Cardinals are a much better team than we are. Uh, I do expect them to be a, a wild card team. Yeah. So, uh, guys, any final thoughts on our first post game potables on what you think? I guess we should look ahead to next week, which is Cincinnati. Yep, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Well, I have been a low key believer. In the Bengals this year, not I don't expect them to be a playoff team by any means, but so far I haven't really agreed with the lines that Vegas has been giving them, and I uh, proved that by having them cover Thursday night in a game that they very well could have won. Just as week one, they very well could have won their game against, was it the Chargers that they played week one, I think? If I'm not, no. The Colts? Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't remember, but... Joe Burrow has looked pretty decent, but it seems like he can dink and dunk his way down the field. He hasn't really hit a lot of deep plays, which may actually be good for this Eagles team because I think that's where they are most vulnerable is over the top. And maybe this D-line can actually get some pressure against him, but it's going to be tough. Joe Mixon's a very good running back. He is easily the best running back we've seen so far. You could probably make the case that A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd are the better receiving core that we've seen. Um, you know, Robert Woods is pretty good. Cooper Cup's pretty good. But I think at this point, I would argue that AJ and Tyler Boyd are as good, if not maybe just a, a, a hair better than them. Uh, so that could be a problem. The Bengals defense is whatever. I would at least hope that, you know, the Eagles offense is going to be able to score a decent amount of points. Uh, they haven't had too many problems doing that so far, but obviously Wentz, 
and uh, his reads have been pretty inconsistent to start the season. I definitely think that he played better for chunks of today than last week, but uh, the second half obviously was a big problem. So I'm going to guess that the Eagles are probably still going to be like five and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, that I, I'm guessing it's less than a touchdown, but it's probably at five and a half or six and a half is what I'm going to guess that spread is. Uh, I think the Eagles will win. I would probably still take the Bengals to cover, though. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I do think the Eagles are probably going to get their first win of the season, uh, assuming we don't hear anything about any you know injuries coming out of this game, which... The big two were Fletcher Cox and Darius Lee, but both returned to the game. So right. as far as it seems to us now, they should come out pretty healthy from what this a, one. What about uh, Siamalu? Uh, that I don't know, but I mean, I okay. you know, like that sucks, but he's also not gr- the greatest. He's, yeah. You'd rather have him than not, but uh, I wouldn't put him up there on the same level as Slay and Cox. So if right, Slay right, and right. Cox getting out of this game healthy and showing up next week, then you know, I think they can patch in left guard if they have to. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, matchup with the Bengals as we will both be 0-2 looking? Some team's going to get their first win. Yeah. No, I definitely think we're going to win. I agree. It's going to be a close game. It's not going to be a blowout. I don't know if we'll really win any games this year by a blowout. I think, uh, like you said, Joe Burrow being a young rookie quarterback, he might you know, dink and dunk his way up the field. If we're somehow able to get pressure on him, which we haven't really been able to do with these first two games, um, and I know it doesn't help when your linebacker core sucks, but if our guys on the edge are able to just at least get some pressure on Burrow, maybe that will really help. Uh, you know, I think we did talk about uh, with Doug Peterson, maybe his job being on the line. I think uh, Jim Schwartz is really the one whose job should be on the line. That's a fair point. And if he, you know, can game plan just to you know, try to psych out a young rookie quarterback. Hopefully that can pay dividends. The unfortunate thing with Jim Schwartz is, and especially this year, it's kind of the same thing as Doug is like, I don't know what you can expect Jim Schwartz to do with his linebacker core. And I yeah. think that's part of the reason they haven't had pressure. Cause we know Jim Schwartz loves to blitz and like one, you really can't afford to blitz these linebackers because you kind of need the help for the secondary. But also, I don't think any of these linebackers can blitz. I don't think any of them are pass rushers. So yeah, if we could, if we couldn't name any of the linebackers, I don't know if we can trust them. So, so I feel yeah. like he's gonna spend most of the season hoping his defensive line can do it on their own, and hoping that if he keeps seven back for the most part, that it's gonna give that defensive line time to get there on their own. But to this point, they haven't been able to because, I mean, it is tough in, in this league with the athletes that are on both sides of the ball. You know, they're pretty much going to go four against five or six all the time. You know, if, if they keep anybody in to protect, even a chip block here and there can be tough. And, and like I said, I still think this is an above average defensive line, but I think they're declining. When you look at guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, they are on the downswing yeah. of their careers already. So they're at the point now where, you know, they're not like Fletcher Cox is not Aaron Donald anymore. There was a time like their peak is, is probably closer than most people would care to admit. But Fletcher think- Cox isn't at his peak anymore. So he's not at the point where, you know, he can even rip through a double team. He's at the point now where he still earns the double team. But that double team is effectively taking him out of the play. And teams can afford to double him when you don't blitz and punish them for it. Yeah. So it, it's it's tough. I, I definitely don't. I'm definitely way off the uh Jim Schwartz bandwagon, and I've been one of his defenders for a lot of the time that people were against him, but it's still kind of hard to, to see, to, to blame him, and especially to like cost him his job when I feel like for the past two years, he has taken not so great defenses and made them pretty okay and won games with them, despite how mad we get at it sometimes. And this year, I think there's going to be a built-in excuse that he did not have the, the people to do so other than, you know, like you said, the addition of Darius Slay, which on its own is not enough. And hopefully maybe next year you can grab another piece or two to make that more of a complete defense. Mm, a Philadelphia coach with uh, players that just don't, you know, make sense. Yeah. You know, don't, what don't else fit. is new? Yeah. yeah. Can't relate. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> never watched basketball. Yeah. Corey, your thoughts on a matchup next week with the Bengals here in Philadelphia at the link. Well, you answered my question there. I was going to be the, the the dumbass that didn't come prepared and ask where was this game. So the game being at home, despite today, usually the Eagles play good at home. No crowd, but I mean, the fake crowd 
today they was boo Carson today. The the fake crowd booed Carson like every six seconds. It was tremendous, but that's how Listen, the real Philly's crowd was. Gonna Philly, baby. That was yeah. exactly. Uh, but next week coming into the, this home again against uh, a Bengals team, which is just like us. Some weeks they're good, and some weeks they have their really bad moments. I I like our chances again. You got to stay positive and. Uh, Hope, hope for a you win. Say positive. What city sports teams are you rooting for? Yeah, that's our Philadelphia <laughs> mentality. Well, my my state of positive is well, we've lost two fucking games. Let's maybe win this one. That's where my positivity comes I mean, in. I mean, that's a start. If 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 if, if you said we were somewhere. playing like the Ravens or the Chiefs and or the, 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 I would be like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll collect ourselves the next week. Yeah, but I put my fucking mortgage on the Chiefs or the Ravens at this point. We have the fucking Bengals, so maybe it's a, a yeah. nice way to feel better about ourselves after and, next week. And the and the thing about that too, now that we think about, it, is you know we talked about some of these stories and rumors about Dog and, and the hot scene and whatnot. We were all talking about you know what a full season record would require to potentially you know either cost him his job or put it in jeopardy. There, there's a real idea that at 0-3 and a home loss to a Bengals team that is not projected to be anything could actually be a real big problem. And that, you know, that might set the tone. Like, if he goes to somehow 0-4, 0-5, like, I don't know that Jeff Lloyd wouldn't pull a trigger a little preemptively. And and to be honest, it, it might be hard to blame him. Yeah. I don't That's know, a but, scary thought. But then again, he does come from the Andy Reid coaching tree, so he gets at least 13 years with us, right? <laughs> At least thirteen years. Right. I mean, all right. That that would kind of, that would be the end of my the Super Bowl bought my patience. Uh, yeah. Concept. But yeah, um, I I think that's gonna be it for us. So again, birds one o'clock, uh, next week. That's uh oh, that's your favorite, Steve. It's an AFC team at the oh, Eagles. No. So you know what that means. Bring time. your pillows. CBS your time, break, baby. Oh, a nice man. sweaty two to three o'clock We're nap. We're at Joe's house. So I might bring like a sleeping bag or something. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we will we will talk with you right after that game. We hope that you enjoyed this debut episode of Post Game Potables. For Corey and Steve, I'm Dan. Make sure to check out the network. You can follow everything of the Podcast Potables Network on Twitter and on Tapped at Process Potables and on Instagram at Podcast Potables Network. Make sure you tune in on Monday morning for a brand new episode of Power Bombs. And Potables recapping the past week in professional wrestling television. And debuting this week, we will have Props and Potables, a betting podcast where I take you through my last uh, week. Oh, you're going there. My last week in gambling, how, how I did, and giving you my thoughts on the upcoming lines for the NFL week. We're going to see how that goes. I like it. We're, we're, we're going to give it a shot. We'll see. I, I am not a, uh insider. I am not accepting any money to give you picks, but... I will give you what I think. Stephen Corey here can attest that uh, for the last two or three years, I, I've done pretty well on my football betting. So I'm hoping everybody will tune in to uh, you know, hear what I'm thinking on these picks. And, and hey, uh, give me your thoughts because I'm always looking... You know, to see what other people think, uh, to see what what I'm comfortable throwing some coin at. So, I mean, if you have a gambling problem, call Joe Sheehan. I was gonna say hypothetically. I mean, if football was all year round, you wouldn't even need a full time job, buddy. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, we'll leave it at that. I would not need to work if football was all year. That is technically correct. <laughs> Uh, also, if I doubled every bet I made, I probably wouldn't have to have a full-time job. It's a little risky right now. A little so, risky. A little risky. So for now, you know, we'll just have some fun with it. But uh, stay tuned for that. We will get a new process. Potables out sometime. Uh, there hasn't been much to talk about. There's no reason for me and Steve to sit around and speculate stuff. So, you know, we're hoping a little more news comes in eventually that we can talk about. Maybe we'll do the same thing we did for the last dance. Maybe, you know, for the NBA Finals, we'll do... Just our, our thoughts on that. Yeah, you don't want to hear us talking for fifty five minutes talking about CP three or you know Drew. Or Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, we don't. So we will yeah. spare you that. But I have <laughs> had people reach out to me and be like, you know, either you know I missed the podcast or what's going on with the podcast. We we haven't gone anywhere. We're all good. We are always working behind the scenes to improve and figure out what we want to do next. That's why we wanted to start doing these Eagles post game ones. It gives us fresh content to continue to be able to uh, reach out and, and speak to everybody and hopefully, you know, create some conversations online again, Instagram, Twitter, everything like that. Hit us up. So thanks everybody for listening. Go birds. Owen too. It's tough, but uh, we're getting that win next week. So 
Uh, thanks, everybody. Check out the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway and trust the podcast.